Luke 2, the Christmas story, verses 8 through 10. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord, Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news of great joy. With the arrival of Jesus, the angels proclaimed that there would be good news of a great joy. Jesus, when he came into this world, ushered in to this world joy. But if we're true and honest with ourselves, especially in a year like this, especially in an age like this, especially with the difficulty that we are facing as humankind, joy is probably not the top thing that's on our mind, especially this Christmas season. But there have been generations before, there have been days before, there have been points in history where God's people wondered if Jesus really did bring the joy that the angels proclaimed that he would bring. We've walked through in our series called The Arrival. We've walked through the Advent season, a look back at Jesus' first coming, and a look forward, as Stephanie said, to his second coming, and as we just sang about that, that reigning king. And we've looked at the four words of the Advent, Advent season, hope and peace and love, and today we come to this word, joy. And I've asked myself, I've asked God, I've asked prayer partners, I've asked Cynthia, I've asked our family, where in the world can we find joy in today? It seems so impossible. It seems like it is absolutely, utterly impossible. But I want you to know today that when Jesus came to this world the first time, he did bring joy. We're going to talk about what that looks like and how to access it. And when he comes again one day, he is definitely going to bring joy into the world, an everlasting joy that will never, ever, once again be lost. I'm really glad that you guys are here today. It's our week four of our series called The Arrival. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here in the house. For those of you who are watching and listening online, whether live or later, thank you guys so much for being a part. In fact, why don't we give it up for them this morning. Thank you guys for joining in online. I would say if you have your Bibles, turn to a certain passage, but we're going to be all over the place today. So I would just uh, ask you to watch the screens. You can access the notes online. If you want to go deeper, each week by Wednesday, we upload the Roots Guide, which is something that uh, whether you're doing it together uh, with a group or with your family or individually, it's something that you can go deeper with the message each week because in uh, roughly a half an hour, it is very difficult to, to dive deep into this. But I want you guys to hear that Jesus brings joy. Isaac Watts, in that first song that we sang this morning, Isaac Watts, um, several centuries ago, wrote the words to the song that we know of today called uh, Joy to the World. He, uh, it was first published in, in 1719. I want you to think about that for a moment. 
It was first published in 1719. And Isaac Watts wrote this, the, the, the words to this, what was originally called a Christian hymn. He wrote the words to this amazing song that actually, as of today, is the most popular Christmas hymn that we have. It's the one that's been published the most. It's the one that's been uh, produced the most and sung the most of all of them. But I want you to hear um, his original title to the song, Joy to the World. The original title, when Isaac Watts wrote the lyrics to the song, was the Psalm of David, imitated in the language of the New Testament and applied to the Christian state and worship. That was the title of the song, Joy to the World. (laughs) I don't know about you, I'm kind of glad we changed it along the way, right? And Isaac Watts, in writing this beautiful song that we sang earlier today, was expressing to the world that Jesus brought the joy, that he brought the joy as a child. But what people may not realize is that Isaac Watts included in this song that he wrote, Joy to the World, he's talking about the first coming of Jesus, but he is also talking about the second coming of Jesus. Listen to some of these words. No, I won't sing them because I don't want you to be more afraid in 2020 than you already are. Joy to the world, he says. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her who? King, her king. He's talking about the second coming. He's talking about the second arrival of Jesus when he comes back one day. He says the Savior reigns. He uses the word reigns, and he knew something about a king reigning. He was was British. He he was uh, English. And so he talks about the Savior who reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove and he makes the nations proof. Joy to the world, then we sing. This is how it ends. Joy to the world, then we sing. Let earth receive her king. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the world, then, he says, one day, again in the future, we sing, let the angel. and a few other passages in Isaiah, some of, what, uh, some of which we'll take a look at today in talking about Jesus setting up his heavenly kingdom. He is also referencing in Revelation when the angels are singing glory to God in the highest, when they're singing holy, holy, holy. And when we enter into that time when we are with him forever and we get to join in that chorus forever. There was joy in Jesus' first arrival as a baby. We sang about it. Stephanie talked about it. He came as a baby, as a humble child to save the world. But Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 through 6, I want you to check this out on the screens this morning. It told us, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus, in his first arrival, would bring joy. It says this in verses 5 and 6 in Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped then shall the lame man leap like sing for joy the tongue of the mute singing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and isaiah was prophesying that jesus in his first coming would bring joy to the world. 
And Jesus did bring joy specifically here. Isaiah is talking about the miracles that Jesus would perform. He's talking about how a man was once mute and all of a sudden could speak. Don't you think he had joy when Jesus touched him and healed him? Don't you think the man who was deaf and then could hear, don't you think he experienced joy? Don't you think the moms and dads of the little children who Jesus touched and healed, don't you think that they experienced joy when their children who are filled with a demon or a disease, all of a sudden it was all gone? They experienced joy. Don't you think the people at the wedding party who the word got out that the the wine was gone and the water was there, don't you think they experienced a little bit of joy when Jesus turned the water into wine? You see, in his first coming, he did things in his ministry that we saw people experience joy. And so when the angels are singing joy to the world, the Lord has come. When they are expressing that, when they are making that announcement of joy has come, Jesus in his first coming brought joy. And I want you to hear today, whether you're a Christ follower or whether you're a skeptic or whether you're an unbeliever or an agnostic or an atheist, I want you to hear that you and I can experience joy because of Jesus in this life. We can experience joy because of Jesus in this life. We can be like the mute in verse 6 in Isaiah 35 verse 6 that sings for joy. We can experience joy in this life, but Jesus, even Jesus, talks about a lasting joy that is to come. You see, it's this tension between the fact that now we can experience joy, but there is a lasting joy that is to come. There's a tension between us trying to find where we find true joy in this life with all of its problems, with COVID, with the political unrest, with the world turned upside down. How in the world do we find joy in this life? Knowing that there's joy to come, I want you to see in John chapter 16, verse 22, Jesus said this, so you also have sorrow now, he says. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Imagine his disciples who they know now that he's going to be gone. And he says, I know that you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will, say that next word with me, your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. It's hard to find joy in this world, isn't it? Is that okay to admit? It's okay to admit, isn't it? In church... It's okay to admit that in church, that joy is hard to find. In 2020, I mean, if I had said it last year, y'all would have nodded. Yeah, it's hard to find joy in 2019. Yeah, and now you're like 2020. Yes, it is definitely hard to find joy in this world. Jesus says, I know you have sorrow now, but there is a lasting joy. Look what he says. He says, your hearts will rejoice, and one day no one will take your joy from you. Not COVID, not a disease, not a broken relationship, not fractured finances, not a business deal gone bad. 
not political unrest, because one day we will be with him for eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. More about that in a moment. And we will have joy that no one can take away. That's what we have to look forward to in the second arrival of Jesus. And that's part of the good news. That is part of what the angels sang about. That's part of the joy that they sang about. You see, when Jesus arrives again, he will bring lasting joy. When he arrives again, whenever that is, whether it's today or whether it's tomorrow while we're all out on the beach or the golf courses looking up at the star of Bethlehem when Jupiter and Saturn kind of align there, who knows, you know, I don't know, I didn't, like if you email me and you're like, oh, is that really going to happen? I'm just, I'm not saying that's really going to happen. I'm just saying, what if it's tomorrow? What if it's this afternoon? What if it's a thousand years from now, his return, the rapture of the church? There's going to be joy when he comes. There's going to be joy. And we look at the, 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 the second arrival of Christ, and when we read about it, when we start digging in, we, we kind of have this feeling that there's this ominous tone. I mean, Jesus talked about the fact that as we get closer and closer, there's going to be more trouble. Uh, we, we can't imagine that now, but neither did people generations ago. And, and we think about the fact that there's going to be seven years of tribulation and this battle of Armageddon. But through all of those different things that the Bible speaks of, there are points of joy. There is joy when the church, I believe, is raptured first, when we go up with him first. That's what I believe. That's what we believe. There's going to be joy that during the tribulation, people will come to Christ, especially in the first part of that tribulation. The Bible tells us that during those first three and a half years, that many, many people will come to know Christ, and that some may in the second half of that too, even though it's going to be very difficult. There's going to be joy when people come to know Christ during the tribulation. There's going to be joy when we receive our reward for what we've done for Christ at that judgment seat, there's going to be joy when Jesus returns after all of the tribulation, when he returns again with the church, there's going to be joy then. There's going to be joy when he, with his breath, defeats evil at the battle of Armageddon. There's going to be joy when he sets up the new heaven and the new earth. And church, listen, for those of you who have accepted Jesus as your Savior, there is going to be joy because after all of that is over, after the thousand-year reign of Jesus, we enter into eternity with him. And there is joy in that, in a perfect place that's void of anything, anything that would cause our joy to be taken away. But I want you to know that while we wait for heaven to come, while we wait for Jesus to return, that we can have joy here on earth. You see, true and lasting joy is found in being in God's presence. True and lasting joy is found in being God's, in God's presence. That will happen at the end of the age. That will happen when Jesus returns one day. But it can happen while we're here right now. David talked about this. The psalmist, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. His right-hand man. Psalm 16, 11 says this. You make known to me the path of life. You make known to me the path of life. And he says this, in your presence. This is David the psalmist crying out to God from the depths of his heart. He says, in your presence there is fullness of what? 
Fullness. Joy. Fullness of joy. This is a man who made all the mistakes that could possibly have been made. He's a man that did all the vile things that we could ever think of doing. He's a man that was often confused about life. But God used him. And he penned this word, these words, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It sounds really good right now, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, that would be great. Which is why we often say, come quickly, Lord. But how do we, as Philip Yancey says, how do we in this life relate to a God who is invisible? How do we relate to a God who is invisible? How do we enter into the presence of God and experience a little bit of joy while we're here on earth? Well, first and foremost, we have to trust the invisible God. It's called a living faith. You see, each one of you who have accepted Christ as your Savior, you entered into your relationship with Him, and in that moment, you entered into your eternity. And that's called a saving faith. That's the, the faith when you came to know Christ as your Savior. But there's a living faith that we all should have. And that living faith is where we trust God. That's where that tension is worked out. See, living faith begins by trusting an invisible God. We tend to conclude that because he's invisible, we can't enter into his presence. And nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth, when we say that we can't enter into God's presence because we can't see him and we can't hear him, we enter into spiritual resignation. And before you think I'm judging you for it, it's a struggle for me sometimes too. When we throw up our hands and say, I can't see God, I can't hear him, he's not audible, I can't physically touch him, when we choose to not try we enter into a period of spiritual resignation in our lives. See, just because we can't find God's presence in a touch, or we can't hear him audibly, that doesn't mean that he's not present. And that doesn't mean that we can't find joy in him. 1 John 3, 2 through 3 says this, Beloved, maybe some of you need to hear this today. Maybe some of you need to hear these words. Beloved, we are God's children. When does he say? Now. We are God's children now. He says in the present. Right now we're God's children. And what we will has not yet appeared. But what, but what uh, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him in his second coming. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as pure. There's coming a day when we will see him, but now we are God's children. Now we can uh, be in his presence because we can call him dad. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not, know, uh, not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. 
You see, just because we can't physically see God, and because we can't physically, just because we can't physically touch God, and because we can't hear God, that doesn't mean we can't enter into his presence. That's that living faith. You believe in him, and you rejoice with joy. There's the joy tie-in that in his presence is joy. First Peter, once again, verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Not only can we enter into his presence, but when we do that, we share in his suffering. God begins to reveal how much he suffered for our sins what he did on this earth for us, and we share in that. So if joy comes from being in God's presence, and if we can't physically be in God's presence now, we might conclude that there is no hope for joy now. And sometimes, i got to be honest with you, that's the way we Christians live, and that's the way we Christians act. And the world is looking at us, and they say, I don't want any part of that God because these are joyless people. Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was uh, one of the great, uh, great members of the U.S. Supreme Court, in fact, for 30 years, um, he, he was the unofficial title, the greatest justice since John Marshall. And at one point in his life, Justice Holmes explained his choice of a career by saying this. I love this. He says, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen... That's a big word for pastors. Um, if certain pastors I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. <laughs> An undertaker is someone who runs, what? A funeral home and a graveyard. And church, I wonder if there are people in our world that look at our joyless life and go, I don't want any part of that God. Just like Oliver Wendell Holmes said, I don't want any part of that vocational ministry because of the joyless pastors I see. I wonder if the world looks at us and goes, I don't want any part of that God because of the joyless Christians I see. How can we find joy? Well, while we may be constrained by this world and while we may have hope that there is joy in the next, in the meantime which is the question we're asking and answering. What do we do in the meantime while we wait for the second arrival of Jesus? In the meantime, we can experience some of that joy now. 1 Corinthians, Paul, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12 says this, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, when the perfect comes, the partial passes Away. I want to read that again. I want to go back to verse 9. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. He's talking about here on this earth, in this limited life. But when the perfect comes, that's when we enter into heaven, when we enter into eternity with him, the partial passes away. It may sound very confusing, may sound like he's trying to make up something here, but what he's saying is, is that you and I can experience a part of heaven on earth. We can't experience all of heaven on earth. In fact, that's sinful even to try to do that. But we can experience part of what we'll experience one day when we have fullness of joy 
he goes on, he says this, I think it's in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And then he ends this, he says, for now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then, then we will be face to face, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. I love that Paul gives that analogy, he gives that metaphor about a mirror. Some of you experience just about every day when you're, 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 you're in your bathroom and you've had the shower on or something like that, and you're, you're looking in the mirror and you have to wipe it down. Maybe some of you have you know, bought the kind that it like, you know, doesn't get all foggy and that sort of thing. But you can see yourself when it's fogged up, right? But you can't see all of you. Some of you are like, I, I, I need to because I have a lot of work to do in the morning. I understand that. I get that. I'm right there with you. But all of a sudden, after a while, it goes away. That's what it'll be like in heaven. The fog will go away. But in the meantime, we can experience joy in the presence of God. We can have a taste, one theologian called it, of the joy that we will experience in heaven. See, church, the mistake that I make, the mistake that we make, the mistake that Christ followers make is that we try to find our joy in something that's not of heaven rather than God. What does the Bible say? It says, in his presence. In his presence. In presence of God who chose to save the world by sending his son in the presence of God we can have a taste of the everlasting joy that we will have with him in eternity we just have to try we have to not resign ourselves that we'll never get there or resign ourselves so much that we won't get there that we try finding joy in something else that will be fruitless in the end it always is fruitless in the end and so how do we do that? How do we enter his presence? Well, first and foremost, we need to create opportunities every day to pause and find joy by simply being in the presence of God. But how do you do that? How do you do that? For some of you, you enter every day into the presence of God. And you may walk around and people are drawn to you, not by your happiness, because that's a human emotion, but by your joy. And there are people I know, there are some of you I know, that I, I'm drawn to you, that you are drawn to someone in your life because you experience the joy that they have because they've experienced it with God the Father. For some of you, this is a little bit more difficult. For all of us, in this day and age, it's difficult. So let's talk about for a moment as we wrap up how we can enter into the presence of God. I want to give you four steps on how to do this as I hold up three fingers. I want to give you four steps on how to do this as a Christ follower. Or even for those of you who aren't, you can get a taste of this. The first thing that we can do is by, to, to create opportunities every day to pause and find joy by being in the presence of God is to be consistent with him is to be consistent with him. The psalmist in Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2, he says this, Oh God, you are my God. 
that next word. Check that out. Earnestly, earnestly, I seek you. He was consistent in seeking after God. He says, my soul thirsts for you. You see that the, the drive there, that desire that he has. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He is describing how he is parched and he has had no water and he is in the desert and he gets with God and he is filled up. What do you fill yourself with? What do you fill yourself with? What are you earnestly seeking? What does your soul thirst for? If I'm honest with myself, it's not always him. But if we will resolve ourselves to be consistent after a while, all of a sudden, our desires change. All of a sudden, Matthew 6.33 of seeking him first becomes something that we naturally do. Verse 2 of Psalm 63 says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Mark Chapter 1, verse 35 says this, And arising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, talking about Jesus here, by the way, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Over and over and over again in the story of Jesus come to this earth, we see him getting away from people. Some of you introverts are like, yes, I like that. And, and, and he got with God. He spent time with God. His father, listen, church, if Jesus disciplined himself consistently enough to spend time every day alone with God, so we needed that much more. Am I right? We needed more. Step one of being in God's presence is to be consistent. Step two, oh, this one's even harder for me, be still. I don't like this one at all. Be still. Be still. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I love the fact that he equates being still with knowing him. There are some times that in the busyness of my life, with the ADD that I have, and it's bad. Let me tell you, it's bad. With the stress that has come with 2020, with all the different factors of what to do in these circumstances and with this, and how do we do that, and the masks and the whole thing, and the politics that we see in the background of that, and all of the different things, there are times that we just need to be quiet and to be still in his presence. Because when we're too connected to this, and when we're too connected to the world, and when we hear the news on constantly, when we hear the crying of people in the background, we cannot be truly in his presence. Be consistent. Be still. The third thing is be real. Be real. Be real with God. I'm a pretty relatively speaking, an upbeat and positive person. 
in the morning. <laughs> when, when I wake up in the morning, the glass is half full. It's even maybe like up to the top and overflowing. By nighttime, nope, mm -mm, nope, negative Nelly right here. Debbie Downer, like I'm totally gone the other way. But I, those are the times when I get real with God. Those are the times when I'm hurting and I'm helpless and I'm irritated and I'm irritable and I'm mad and angry. Those are the times that I get real with God. It's happened before Sean. Sean now takes the dog for a walk almost every night, and I've told the story. Uh, I'll, I'll take the dog for a walk, and I'll literally talk to God while I'm walking with the dog. And I, I tell people, like, the dog, Kokomo, has uh, like a greater insight in my prayer life than anyone else on this earth because <laughs> he hears the real deal. <laughs> Be real. Psalm 55, verse 2. Once again, David, attend to me. Attend to me. He's being honest with God and answer me. He says, I'm restless. How many of you are restless today? I'm restless in my complaint and I moan. Man, that is like my nighttime verse right there, right? <laughs> I'm restless, God. I'm restless. Attend to me and answer me. Be consistent. Be still. Be real. And then lastly, church, Christ follower, be patient be patient with god be patient with him we live in in the now society we live in in a culture that says that we can have whatever we want now and we come to god and we may be consistent we may be still and we may be real but we often come across demanding of god because we're not patient enough to allow him to let our lives play out because he knows what's best struggle with that all the time all the time like i cry out to god i want you to answer me i want you to answer me with this problem that i have and oh by the way here's my 10-step plan here you go right here god because we lack patience the psalmist said in psalm 27 13 and 14 i believe that i shall look on the goodness of the lord in the land of the living wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We build our spiritual muscle not in the times where we're working for him. Yes, that's when we get to exercise it, but our muscles build when we're resting and when we're waiting. It's true physiologically, it's true biologically, and it's true spiritually as well. It's in the waiting where our muscles develop. Be consistent, be still, be real, and be patient. That's how we can experience a taste of the lasting joy that will be ours one day in full. No fog on the mirror when we get to heaven. So look back at what Jesus did to bring joy into this world like we sang about, but it's also a look forward to what we can expect in the future. Last week we talked about love. Well, ultimate love is defined in the person of Jesus because he is God with us. Ultimate joy is defined in being in the presence of God. It's almost in many ways that love is defined in the person of Jesus because he is God with us. And joy is defined when we are with God. When we are with God.
You know, the problems of today may not be solved. They may not come to resolution by being with God. They may not improve by being with God. But we will. We will. We will improve when we're in the presence of him. And we can have joy forevermore. We can have a taste of what is to come. Father, I thank you so much that you are a God who loves us enough. That you sent your son, Jesus, into this world to save us. And God, admittedly, even today, this is a very difficult message for me to deliver because I've had many moments over the last year where I have not been able to find joy. And there have been many moments over the last months that it seemed like joy was not able to be found in this world right now in 2020. And even over the last week in 24 hours, there are moments where I thought, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can ever have that taste of joy. But your word is true. Your word is true that we can experience a taste of the joy that is to come when we enter into your presence. God, help us. Help me to do that while we wait for your return. Help us to take our spiritual nourishment seriously. And while we are giving and receiving presents this week, I pray that this Christmas season would be a time where we consider entering into your presence and experiencing just a taste of the joy that is to come because we've spent time with you. Help us, Father. Maybe there's some who are in this room, in this house, or some who may be listening or watching online who maybe they're their journey with you, maybe their um, desire for you, maybe their want spiritually for you has grown a little bit cold or stale or hollow. Or maybe they've never really had spiritual exercise in entering into your presence. And Father, I pray that today you would help us, each one of us, to be consistent, to be still, to be real and to be patient. And Father, in those moments when we walk out of that closet or when we get up from that chair or when we walk out of that door and we've been in your presence, Father God, I pray that the world may know and they may see that you are the one who gives us joy forevermore one day in the future. We thank you for that. We thank you for your first arrival, and we look forward to your second arrival one day. And in the meantime, help us to find our joy in you, Jesus. I pray all of this in his name, and all God's people said.